0: Welcome to another episode of the Copcast podcast. It's much, much more upbeat this week. Uh, it's sunny in Liverpool. I'm in Liverpool. Andy Bell, uh, Jay reads in Liverpool as well. We'd we'll probably do this in person if there was a slight less chance of knocking each other out when certain topics come in. <laughs> Jordan Henderson, but we'll get <laughs> through it anyway. Jay, how's it going? You're all right. Yeah, you've
1: give it the nail on the head, there. It's lovely outside. The, the sun's shining, and for once. You know, we, we're smiling as well, ourselves as well. It's been a while, but, you know, after the dark winter
0: comes a nice spring. I love it. Absolutely love it. Super, right. Well, we'll start uh, we'll start talking about uh, Newcastle um, and we'll obviously do a little bit of Real Madrid, which is tomorrow night as we record. Um, so, obviously, we want to give quite a bit of time talking about that Real Madrid game because it's so exciting. Real Madrid, Champions League, round of 16, things you can only... Well, we could have only dreamt of 10 years ago or so and we've become so used to it now under... Jurgen Klopp and the miracles in Europe that we've had, but that's for a little bit later on. That's for the second half. At Newcastle Nil, Liverpool 2, Jay. We've had a few sort of false dawns this season. You know, we start the season quite poorly, and then we get that 9-0 win, and we think we've turned a corner. And you know, there's a couple more instances of us thinking we've turned a corner and that turning out to be nonsense. You've got the city 1-0, and we lose to, I think it's Forest and Leeds. You've got the decent little bit of form around Christmas and then probably the worst month under under Klopp either that or the the COVID season it's a genuine toss-up between the two but we've got the result in midweek and you're wondering is this just because Everton are crap is it just because it's a derby and we've got up for it and we go to a team who have only lost once all season and that's to us um and as much as they've spent a lot of money they look genuinely quite well coached as well it was a really tough fixture I didn't think we were going to get a win I would have taken a point and 25 minutes in and we're 2-0 up and the goalkeeper's been sent off if he doesn't get sent off it's 3-0 and we're laughing and yeah just a a a complete turnaround and a complete contrast to what we've seen certainly in the first part of this calendar year and it was so refreshing to see and yeah i had a great saturday night i don't know about you
1: yeah um i kind of got a little bit like hazy after that and that might be something to do with the amount of beer I drank on Saturday but you know it was my first weekend out since Christmas so it was allowed. Um, Yeah I think I said like you know this two-week period starting with the derby last week was like a bit of a boom or bust sort of moment for us in our season where you know necessarily everything was back on but like we were at the point where things could have pretty much been all off in terms of you know if you lost a derby and then, you know, you faulted at Newcastle, we've got Madrid on the horizon tomorrow night as we record this, you know, a potential tricky trip to Palace. We've had some good results there, but we've had some, you know, difficult times as well. And then, you know, United coming at the back end of the week after, if we just carried on the way we were going and maybe pulled out, you know, a couple of draws from them games and a few defeats, then you would have been looking at, like, the end of May, saying, "Can we get there as soon as possible, please?" But it was also an opportunity where, as it's gone so far, you know, you've you've knocked the E. V. back down a peg or two because that's where they belong. And a derby win as you know, difficult as things can be, whatever time of the season it is, is always a good win. Um, at trips to Newcastle, as you rightly mentioned, only was once all season, the best defensive record in the league up until that point. I think it was 13 goals they conceded, and two of them were against us at field. So. You know, eleven goals across what would have been twenty-one games for them in the league is is no record to be sniffed at. And yeah, you, we went there, and I think the term I would use to describe that result would be very professional. We we rolled our luck at times, but we took our opportunity and our chances, which we've not been doing in in recent weeks. And you know, big goals for players who've needed them. Like I felt Darwin was a little bit unlucky not to get a goal in the derby, and his performance maybe needed one and, you know, he did get one on Saturday night. The opener is, is always a big goal in any game but you can see how much it means to him and, you know, the, the little video of him being so happy with the fans chanting his name just sort of fills you with confidence. That that lad just does need sticking by. Um, you know, there's a certain Mr Dunning on, a, on this podcast who, I don't think he'll ever stick by him but, you know, he has his own choices and maybe one day he'll prove him wrong and he'll be left, like, Smiling in the in the corner on his own, but yeah, we we maybe did ride our luck, but maybe we need that. Maybe we've just come to wearing at this point because you know we've had a, a shit time. Let's not beat around the bush. And two wins from two, two clean sheets as well like, is vital. Um, and for what we've been doing, uh, compared to our away form, it's what Brentford, Brighton, and Wolves three games on the bounce where we conceded three in a row. I think. Anyone looking at this Newcastle fixture would have thought there's a potential here that you know, we'd be probably ship a couple more. But
0: that,
1: that to me, is just as important as well as, as getting you know positive results as seeing that we can prove you know to be defensively resolute, although we did rely on the best keeper in the world at times. You know, that, that's what you pay the money for. That's why you go and spend, what, 60-odd million a few years ago and you buy him. His is price is paying off dividends. He's... Uh, arguably the player of the season for us at the moment.
0: Yeah, and he was last season for me as well, even when we were fighting on all four fronts right up until the very last day of the season. You mentioned the word professional there, and I I think I completely agree with that. And The the words I've written down in my agenda here is that we were less naive overall, and it really did feel like that. You You mentioned the three games in a row where we've conceded three goals, and it just feels like we've done some really stupid stuff And we've done some really stupid stuff, both individually and collectively all season. Like you think of some of the goals we conceded, especially that Arsenal game, sticks out for me where we just shot ourselves in the foot over and over and over again. And if you do that against these top teams and even the sort of mid-table teams in the Premier League, they know they they have to punish you now um, because of how good we've been in recent years. And so they're always going to take advantage of that. And I don't know, I felt like there was a little bit of a difference. And, you know, I don't know, maybe the glass half-empty among us would point to the fact that Almiron misses a one-on-one in the first minute and you're probably talking about a different game overall if that happens and you know that is true and there, there are two things on that firstly what you say about well, when you've got the, the best goalkeeper in the world you get to get a little bit of luck there and you get to be nil nil after 10 minutes instead of one nil down or two nil up with 10 minutes to go rather than two one and a nervy finish you know those things you get to happen but for me, that that came from an individual mistake in Robertson, uh, a man who defensively individual mistakes you can count in one hand in his Liverpool career. And then the, this, the only other big chance they have is the Wilson one at the end, and that comes from a silly mistake from Firmino, probably just lacking a little bit of match sharpness. I, th- I felt as a collective, you know, yes they had a little bit of pressure first ten minutes, but we had enough men back to deal with it. We were structurally good enough to deal with it, and, uh, and you know, we deserved to, to, to sort of come through that first period, and that's what we haven't done in those three uh, away games recently, and I don't know. I, I felt there was a little bit more nice about us uh, on Saturday, and that gave us the platform to go and uh, and get the goals, and for the for the front players to work the magic as it did.
1: Yeah, I think you know it helps having Virgil van Dijk back. I think that that was probably overlooked. I think for Saturday because you know we he, he probably just rolled out a, a confident six and a half out of ten. He was not that he did that was overly spectacular, but you know we didn't have any glaring errors and. You know, we, we can't hide the fact in recent games there's been massive glaring errors from our centre-halves. Um, you know, Trenate got away with one against Brighton and then we've not seen him since because of injury. You know, massive was uh, an absolute train wreck against Wolves and Gomez has, has thrown in his fair few, you know, iffy situations where, you know, blind back passes and that for the like. But I think, you know, having having the leader at the back, having having him there, he makes everyone else better. Um, And I weren't too fussed if it was Matip or Gomez, either side of him, because, you know, whichever one does play tends to just be you 15-20% more comfortable in in their own ability because Virgil is there. And, And likewise, you mentioned Andy Robertson, he himself also looks a lot more comfortable to play his own game naturally. And obviously we know that's usually more than an attacking sense, but he knows he's got that security of Virgil behind him and it just seemed a lot more settled. Um, and I, I think, you know, a mention has got to be made for Fabinho, remembering that he can actually move his knees because, you know, for a long period of time, he was not a footballer. He was literally a fellow who was out there with a raffle ticket to play in the red shirt. Um, but by no means is he back, but, you know, he's doing football and things. And that alongside, you know, the revelation in Stefan Basatic and Jordan Henderson running around, giving all he can for you know 65 minutes in the last few games, you know it it's starting to show signs of working. And then, yeah, I've seen some shouts. I'll get your view on this now. Like we've been better because Thiago isn't there. And I don't think that is necessarily the case because for the period of the time I thought he was carrying on midfield. I just think having you know a bit more stability in your defensive midfielder who can actually move about and having a defensive setup that's a bit more solid and rigid has actually just led to us being a bit better overall. What, I don't know, what what's your view on that one?
0: Yeah, completely. And I just think the, the whole balance of the midfield is slightly better at the moment. You know, Thiago's a player who is so good that you have to find a way of making the balance of the midfield work. And that's where we feel, I think, in recent weeks rather than it being anything on him. I still think he's Sean, even in this period of how dreadful we've been. And, Don't get me wrong. If he was fit, or if he is fit, which I don't think he is for um, for Tuesday night. I I don't know if it actually got mentioned in the press conference. Did it?
1: No, no. It was. I'm I'm assuming, judging by we watched the same sort of amounts in the press conference, that it's going to be the same squad. um, Yeah. Other than, you know, anything to do with Darwin, but we'll we'll get on to that one at the end. But yeah, I don't think anything was mentioned in terms of returnees from injury.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so you're expecting no Thiago, no and uh, no Diaz for Tuesday, but yeah, as as I say, I think I think he's he's still Sean, but you know, no matter who it is, you've they've looked exposed in this midfield recently. You know, whether it's been Fabinho, who as you say has just looked like he can't get around the pitch anymore, his legs have completely fallen off a cliff, or Jordan Henderson, who again has, has looked exposed and hasn't been that sort of driving force in the press or that leader that we've expected on uh, on the pitch recently. And the balance just seems to be a little bit better. I think there's two things in there. I think one is the rise of Bechetic and his ability and his intelligence and ability to play kind of in different positions. You know, he, he comes in, he plays the number six. Recently, we've had to drop Vino back in because of injuries. And Bechetic has played that left-hand side of midfield position so well. I think he was just so impressive again on Saturday. You know, he he, he knows when to go. He knows when to, when to press. And also, he, he, he's just really intelligent with the ball couple of really nice floated balls out to the full back a couple of percentage balls in and for Nunez to run onto when he needed to do that and I think there was one moment in the first half where he's been pressed from about four or five different players at different angles and just flicks it around first time and you know that that intelligence almost makes you press resistant once you think it's the word the the nerds use these days and that's that's what I see so far in you know he, he could get exposed. Of course he could. He could go into Real Madrid and have a stinker because any midfielder can have a stinker against that that team. You know, not the standard news we've heard this morning about possibly um, Christian Shemehi being out. But we'll come on to talk about that. But you know, two or three weeks ago, I don't know about you, but I would have thought, yes, this is brilliant. But do I want to throw him into Real Madrid? No, I don't. If, if we can possibly avoid that. Whereas now you're looking at it, you're going, absolutely, we can trust him going into this game. So I think he was great. And I think possibly the other thing that helped the midfield, and Dave's made this point a couple of times on this podcast about the the lack of Firmino this season and how him kind of dropping in deeper helps the midfield out a lot. It closes that gap in which they have to cover. And I think having Cody Gakpo central instead of Darwin Nunez, and this isn't a criticism of Nunez at all, it's just the style of player he is, but Gakpo's a little bit more Firmino. He drops in. He doesn't have that pace, so he, doesn't, he isn't going to run in behind. Um, obviously, the second goal is the... The, the antidote to that, but that's that's slightly different. It's a, it's a built-up period of play. You know, he's going to drop in and do the Firmino things, and that means when you lose the ball, Gakpo is a little bit deeper. He's starting the press from a little bit deeper, and I think that just helps in general. It's less space for him to cover. Um, but also they've had, a couple, they've had a couple of months outside, or a month or so out, out of the team, and they haven't had to come in, and they just look a little bit fresher, and if you have got extra options like Bechetic, you know you can rely on when you need. Um, Thiago coming back, other players like that Kira had a a couple of decent games. And then you can give these players the rest. I want I don't think anyone's saying that Fabinho and Henderson can go every game, you know, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend like they did last season. But they still can't be effective when we want them to be. And it's on us to manage them and, uh, and 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 make sure we're not asking too much of them at this point. So that, that that's what I saw of it. Um we'll we'll talk through the goals I've mentioned Allison and Trent are already had a good chat about Allison, and it's hard because these players are so good, and it feels like we have to talk about them every week, because it would be a dereliction, a duty not to, because they've been so good, but you know, if you, you feel like you just have to mention them, and I'm sure we've already mentioned Alisson, we will do with Trent for the second goal, but yeah, the the, the the thing that struck me, Jay, about both the goals were the triangles coming back into play, that right-hand side triangle of Salah, Trent, and Henderson, obviously Henderson has to sacrifice himself normally, he provides the width, so provide a bit of space, but for the first goal, we get Trent in a central position, the half space. Same with the second goal for Sella. Um, and yeah, just just a moment of magic from those two players to, to open up a chance. But, but 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 there were three or four sort of big chances that we created, and if you do that and you find a way of doing that in games, then you will get you will get goals.
1: Yeah, I think it's just it's funny that you know if you if you allow players time to settle, and literally Cody Gakpo has been near what seven weeks or something like that you know don't write them off after two games the chances are we've probably signed a decent player like if we had been you know in the half for them or rumoured to be in for them while the world cup was on everyone would be wetting wetting themselves and licking their lips saying like look at this fellow who's basically carrying the dutch team and then he come in and you know let's not beat around the bush here we've been dreadful and you're expecting this lad to come in and because I think he came in and then no midfielder come in in January, it put the spotlight on him even more because it was like, well, if we only had that amount of cash to spend and we spent it on him, this guy better do the business and he better do it straight away. Um, so I felt like you know, there's been a little bit of an unfair spotlight on him and slowly, week on week, game by game, and you know yourself because you, you attend a lot of the games in person. You get a different perspective of watching the match in the ground than you do on the telly because well you only get to see so much of what the telly cameras will allow you to see and depending on where you sit in the ground i like to sit behind the goal so you can see things from a completely different perspective again um to what you see on the telly from side on you'll notice like the movement of him it's becoming more not not instinctive more, more like um driven towards what we want. It's like he's not just playing off you know I think this is the right thing to do it's more like instructed and guided and there's a there's a purpose for the way he's moving and as you said that dropping and linking into midfield like the Firmino-esque sort of role and being able to carry the ball like it, it's quite underwritten as a quality of him like the size that he is he moves very sort of gracefully he moves more like a you know a sort of number 10, like a 5 foot ten, five foot 11, sort of number 10, not a 6 foot 4 big lad who's played outside on the wing or down the middle. He's very graceful on the ball. He's technically very sound. So he, he has given us that ability. And I think it was mentioned today by Klopp, sorry, by Cody himself in his press conference that when he spoke to Klopp, he said he could play left and he could play central. So, you know, we've sort of seen Darwin do that and we've seen Garpo do that. Like whether that's maybe just a situation because uh de facto left winger in a way of Luis Diaz isn't available. So we're sort of just, you know, playing the cards with dealt. But as you said, the movements, if he drops deep, it allows Darwin to come into a central role, and that's where we're seeing the goal came from. Again on the right hand side, Salah coming inside creates havoc. Um Salah basically playing Tag with the linesman, which he's done at times, and just staying right side of the left, uh, right side of the forward line, and he's so ineffective. It, it, it's it's not rocket science. You put him towards the goal, things are going to happen. Um, and you know, if the situation where Salah then obviously with Allison, he's he's coming from from out to in in that sort of position where then Nick Pope ends up. um Unfortunately, handling the ball, some would say, but, you know, if you come up with your goal, you face plant the ball and you try and hug it and you are the goalkeeper who is is fifty 40 yards away from your goal, you're going to get sent off. Um, and that means you might miss the Cup final, but that's the chance you take when you're, you know, in that position. So with that, I can't see all this sympathy votes that people are coming out with for them as well. It's kind of just doing me head and just seeing
0: Absolutely wild. <laughs> like, some of the coverage of this. like What is, what is it? But... Yeah. Mat, I, mean, I can understand it. I could understand if like he'd gone to head it, which is a mad decision in itself, by the way. But like it comes through and it say he just hits his arm and sort of bobbles onto Salah, but it's the fact that he literally he pulls, it? pulls it back. You know, he yeah. makes a very conscious decision to handle that ball and to take the red card rather than let Salah run through. Now it may be a sort of instinctive thing, a, a panic almost. And if you had time to think about it, I'm sure he wouldn't do it again because he'd probably lose the game anyway. Um I just you know, think if you're the goalkeeper and you're coming out with your goal there
1: and you're going for the ball that's arguably a yard off the ground, why aren't you going with your feet? Like The chances are, okay, you might not be as good with your feet as other goalkeepers are, but you're not going to injure yourself if you're throwing your head in. Are you, are you gambling on the fact that the player is going to bottle it because they don't want to kick it in the head? Like, let's not be like, weird about this. Salah's ruthless. If, he, if he's got a chance to score a goal, he's going to do it. Um, he's not going to pull out of that one, especially when he basically he has an open goal afterwards. So yeah, it's a bit of a mad one. Um, but it was just you know nice to see, as you said, that that triangle, the interlink and play, the you know bringing Salah in field, having Henderson, as you say, sacrifice himself to go wide to release that space inside for Trenton. It's a bit of like the old Liverpool that we're used to. Um, I'm not saying we're back. By no means are we, but seeing those sort of familiar signs and I think that the Cody gapo goal itself was very Sadio Mane-esque where you know coming in from the left hand side Salah chipped it in and that one touch and finish was was perfect it just reminded me so much of Mane.
0: Absolutely yeah and it is wild that the, the idea of well they've been quite open about the idea that having Salah further wide this season is the unlock his playmaking ability and you can sort of understand it because you get a bit more space out in the wings than you do in the center. But if you've got a good playmaker in the team, as we've tried to do with Trent, you want to get them into central positions because across from a central position or like the half space is, is going to be far more spe- effective than a across from the from the touchline because it, it becomes a pass rather than a cross. And that's what we see for the second goal. And yeah, absolutely we need to get we need to get Sal into into those positions more because he's too good to be um hugging the touchline as you say. And yeah, on Gakpo, it's, it's it's an interesting one because we've both watched a press conference before this, and apart from it being extremely dull, I don't know how people like sit and watch every single one of those <laughs> I'm obviously off this week. And I certainly don't feel like I'm missing anything by missing these press conferences by being in work all the time. But um it, it was interesting, just one of the things that the journalists asked, which was, you know, where does Gakpo see himself playing? He said he had a conversation with the manager when he came in, and um the manager basically said to him you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I see you as playing both on the wing, uh, on the left wing, and in the in the centre. So like this whole thing about a uh, the grand plan the whole time was to turn him into Firmino. I'm not too sure if that's right. That may still happen. They may still have had a look at Gakpo when they've got him on the training pitch, and think, goodness me, actually, yeah, this is the perfect replacement. Um, but either way, you know, we haven't seen the best of him on the wing. I'm sure when we need to use him on the wing, we will. And given our injury record. Under Klopp, we'll have to at times, but yeah, I'm excited by, by what I saw. And obviously it was quite understated as a moment of class for the goal, but just a couple of of, of understated things as well. Like his, his weight of pass um at times just shows there's a top quality player in there. And yeah, hopefully he can he can use the rest of the season to develop in that role and then maybe take it on full time um next season and, and go for some trophies. We'll start to bring in a bit of Real Madrid chat now. Um and I, can, I suppose we'll do a bit of a hybrid between Newcastle and Real Madrid at this point because we've obviously just watched the press conference, which, fair play, it was your idea. <laughs> I wasn't even aware it was on. But we've got a little bit of news on Nunez. And I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but what I took from it, Jay, was it sounds as if, as if there's probably not going to be any Nunez from the start, whether he can make the bench or not. Um, I'm not sure. I think they said to make a decision late um, and that's a blow because not only is he a thread in behind, obviously he's he's got his goal now as well, which he hasn't had for a couple of weeks, I don't think. And um, and you know he'd be he'd be raring to go for that game. He'd be relishing that game. It's one of the reasons I'm sure he would have come to Real Madrid to be in these uh, in these latter stages of the Champions Leagues and have a genuine chance of of winning those ties. Um, but I suppose if he is out for this or can't make it from the start. That half hour we saw of Jada is just so encouraging, as far as I could see, because I thought, you know, without being spectacular or with, you know, he looks quite bitty and awkward in the ball sometimes. And he's a bit of a Suarez esque player in the sense that, he, you know, he's, he loves, he, he relishes those ricochets and the, the really awkward parts of play. But I thought he pressed so well. And, you know, him and Firmino come on and straight away they force the goalkeeper into kicking it out of touch. Um, and a couple of times we just blocked off a passing lane and made it really awkward for them. And I just thought, like, we've really, really missed that this season um, with him playing off the left, at least having that option. Um, so he's got half an hour under his belt. I'm not sure how much time he got in the derby because you mentioned a Hayes. <laughs> I was certainly in a haze for the second half of that game with the amount of beers I drank that night. But if, if Nunez is out, you know, John is impact and and how he is, it's it's almost come at a perfect time because i think he's now ready to come in and play 70 80 minutes um and yeah i i, I just really fingers crossed he stays fit and and can make the impact we all know he can have in the second half of the season i don't know if you're as excited about him coming back as i am
1: yeah we've missed him um 20 minutes he got in a derby by the way uh, so that's 50 minutes across two games roughly in what well, six days five days um I thought, yeah, as you say, I think it—he was scrappy in in possession, and you know, he he didn't look didn't look clean in, in many things. But he's rusty, he's bound to be. He's been out for a while. But this is this is the opportunity that we've taken. We've given ourselves, you know, in the last two games, two 0 leads. You can bring him off the bench, and you can allow that rust to be worn off. I. Like, it would be a lot worse if we, we you know one 0 down in those two games and you're looking at a rusty Diogo Jota to come on and say, do us a favour, mate, go and rescue that game for us. You know, we we've 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 given ourselves the luxury to bring him on and bring Firmino one as well in both of them games. And you know, it it's gonna take a few weeks, but if Darwin can't make it, then yeah, like Diogo is, is the guy you sort of look to. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if he even went for more of Jota down the middle and Gapo left. Um and you know, get get Jota to just do what he can, and hustle and bustle about between the two centre halves, and and give Gapham the opportunity to play left. Obviously, you can interchange both as you can do when when Darwin plays there. But I I wouldn't be surprised if Darwin isn't in the starting lineup. I just think the fact if he had a serious injury, he would have been ruled out straight away. Um, you know, if he had a you know a fractured collarbone or you know a dislocation of the shoulder, that. He would have just been, you know, straight up. Klopp would have said, yeah, like, Darwin's a no for this game. But the fact that, like, he to, there's a chance and we'll see. I just think he's playing a bit, you know, a bit clever here, Klopp. And I wouldn't be surprised if when the team she'd drops someone like that, that Darwin does start. And, you know, <laughs> he's a chaos monster. I think that's the best way to describe it. And he is looking a little bit, bit, bit more organised in what he's trying to do. There's, there seems a bit more of a an intention to his game. Um, and then the goal will have done him the world of good. I still think, I still believe that this this season, there's a moment where he's going to fire one in at the cop end. It could well be. Tomorrow night he might be saving it for, for another game later on in the season where he's just going to go absolutely metal and you might just see him strip absolutely bollock naked um, because he's just off his head. Um So we've got options, which is what we've not had in the last few weeks. So I feel a little bit more comfortable in whatever the starting eleven is tomorrow. we'll have enough to to represent ourselves in a very good manner and cause, cause threats. And no doubt when you look at the bench, it's going to look a lot more sort of threatening in terms of the options we've got there than what we had maybe four, five, six weeks ago where you were literally looking at the bench, and with all due respect to, you know, the likes of, of Ben Doak and, you know, Nat Phillips, like, lads who were on the periphery of the team, why, well, obviously, there's, there's two different age ranges there, like Nat Phillips is mid-20s and Dog 17, but these are lads we shouldn't be looking at to, you know, come and really save our season or save our games, like, maybe Dog time will come eventually, but, you know, if, you, if you're being honest with yourself, Ben Dog to... Diogo Jota and Bobby Firmino on the bench, it's it's a bit chalk and cheese because in the big games, the big players tend to come to the fore.
0: Yeah, spot on. And a um, bit of an update from from Real Madrid as well because I was, I was just having a look there and the, the news has come this morning that no Chris or too many. It would seem as if they haven't travelled. I'm not sure if that's official. Um, yeah, they haven't came. They haven't travelled. And I, I was having a look actually just quickly as you were talking there through Real Madrid's form um, they're eight points behind Barcelona, um, hardly a vintage Barcelona team either. They did win at the weekend, and Karen Benzema wasn't in the squad either, and I've just had a quick search, and it suggests that um, he's sort of 50-50 for this as well, although it seems like he's travelled because, well, basically we'd know if he hadn't. Um, so their, their team for the weekend, uh, just to give people a bit of an idea um, of what we're going to be up against, Courtois, Militao, Rudiger, Nacho, Alaba. Modric, Camavinga and Ceballos, um, Valverde, Rodrigo and Vinicius. Now, it is a really, really good team. It's a a really dangerous team. It's a team that can hurt us. But I had this chat with Dave a couple of weeks ago, and I suppose the narrative is a little bit different now after these two wins and what it was back then. But, you know, as much as Real Madrid have DNA in that competition, um, so do we. And, you know, we've got Anfield first, and with a couple of their players injured, um, and with us being in a bit of form coming here, like... You would never back against us. I don't think you'd back either. You, you don't think you'd back against either team winning this tie and going on to win the European Cup. I know that seems absolutely mental and ludicrous given the the season that we've had. But you wouldn't back against it at all. And it's an awkward one, isn't it? Because you know what what's a what's a great result on on on, on, on well tomorrow night is it is it any win? I would suggest any win. I would take especially with the, the way goals not counting for anything anymore know, three ones as good as two nil, and I suppose that means you can be a little bit more attacking in your approach, possibly. Not sure how Klopp feels about it, but you know it's it's one of those, isn't it, Jay? Where even if you if you win two nil, or even if you win three nil, I don't think there's any scoreline under six or seven which would have me kneeled on, confident that we were, we're in the quarterfinals. We said anything can happen at the Burnaby. Um, so how are you feeling about this generally? And I suppose for me couple of weeks ago you'd probably thought would have had no chance bar on an Anfield Baracle but we certainly have a I, I would give us around a round 50-50 chance at the minute I don't know if that's naivety from me
1: no no I think that's fair like as you said like it's Real Madrid the European Cup it's Liverpool and the European Cup like it's just there's, there's teams that are synonymous with it I can you know we are two of them I think that you know you might look around at Europe and there might be a small handful of other clubs that you could like, say, I've got this pedigree for the European Cup, but there's really not many. Um, the away goal rule, as far as I'm aware, doesn't count anymore. Um, so, yeah, you know, like, so, you know, I would like, I would love <laughs> um, to come away from this game with a couple of goals to the good, like, you know, and as you said by no means like unless we absolutely swash, smash them like five six nil would you go to bern about thinking you know we, we've got one foot in the second in the the round of eight but the second leg is three weeks away a lot can happen between now and then players can get injured players can return um you know the opportunities presented itself where they are slightly weakened but you know the, the fact of the matter is they're going to put a team out there and I think it's probably going to be Antonio Rudiger the only one who's not won the European Cup in their squad at them, because um, I think he was at Chelsea when he won it. Am
0: I right? Yeah, he's only going this year. When, when they put up the stats of like individual players to have, uh, who have the most European Cup wins, it's just basically this Real Madrid squad.
1: Yeah, yeah. So like, you know, they've all got experience in going the distance and winning the trophy. Um, you know, when in our team there's. You know there's, there's a proportion of it that I have, but there's a proportion that I haven't. There's a proportion that have came close um, in recent times, and you know, unfortunately, those losses have ended up being to Real Madrid under circumstances much out of our control, especially in the Paris situation and you know, the, the situation in Kiev with uh, Loris Carriers, who normally might get the chance for a redemption in the cup final next week. We'll We'll see that one. Um, thanks to Nick Pope's actions in the in the game that we just spoke about, but I, I just think what we've given ourselves in the last two performances is the hope that you know not all is lost. I think, as you said, a couple of weeks ago, we we probably would have said, "Hold oh, this tires." Let's just go into it and see what we can do. If we get, you know, something out of the home leg, then we'll just ride our luck and see what comes in the bin about. Whereas you know, a couple of injuries for them, a couple of clean sheets and victories for us, players getting goals when they really need it. It just sort of tipped the scales slightly in your favour, where you think, you know what, let let's go and have a go. Let's let's see what we can do. Um this season's got an essence of two thousand and five about it, where the league was, you know, sort of very wishy washy and not something really to write home about, but the European Cup sort of like just shone a light all the way through and the ironic thing which Klopp highlighted was you know the finals in Istanbul get your hotel booked and many people would have laughed at him but why why would you not like why would you write us off because as you said like there's there's pedigree for us in this in this trophy and you would be very unsurprised if the winner of this tie didn't go all the way again because it just seems to be that there's something between Real Madrid and the European Cup and the and the European Cup
0: for sure, yeah. You, you wouldn't back against you ever everyone's wins this time, as you say, making the making the final and going all the way. Um, yeah, it's. I suppose I am always glass half full, so I was always looking forward to this game. And even if we were still getting beaten three nil and three one in every league game, I, I would have come into this with a bit of hope because it's European Cup. And as you say, yeah, it, it, it's the parallels to 2005 are actually are actually there, aren't they? You mentioned that, and I think you know. The, the the five years before 2005 were absolutely nothing like the five years we've had before this season but it it has been that beacon of light in that in a league season and you know in 2005 we had to play teams like Real Madrid who everyone wouldn't have given us a, a hope against everyone would have said you're gonna get smashed and you know we came through Chelsea Juventus and AC Milan against all the odds and it would be against all the odds if we um if if we did come through against Real Madrid and that's the way. That's The way I personally like it with Liverpool in Europe, you know, like last season, as good as it was in Europe, we didn't really have that even a single big game at Anfield, really. Because Villarreal, it's a shock that they made the semis, Benfica are a good side, and you know, they, they will be a good side if we get them again. But for in terms of the European Cup quarter final, you take it all day long. I can't even remember who we had in the round of 16 it was Inter, who, yes, big name, yes, we were 2 up from the home leg anyway, so you know, it was hardly. It was hardly a a, a, a huge Anfield experience that night. Whereas this season, you're going into this and our backs are up. And I I think it was mentioned to you earlier, Man City in recent years is the only fixture we've gone into where we're not favourites for. Well, we're not favourites for this. And you really really wouldn't back against us. Let's just have a bit of chat um, tactically about the the game that's um, that's coming up before we name our teams. And then we wrap up. But I suppose, you know, historically, you know, historically in the last 5 years recent history we've had uh, a few problems against real madrid we've obviously lost the the two finals in Kiev and Paris and then we've we've lost them in uh, the covid season where nat phillips i think played and vinicius just tore them apart and as much as we're not going to have nat phillips in uh, in the team this um tuesday night fingers crossed that night it was it was very much let us have the ball and then when they got it, it was just vertical passes to Vinicius. And Vinicius can can cause any defender problems and it wasn't purely on Nat Phillips that we went out that night. But, you know, he is the real threat. And uh, I suppose without Chris and Schumeni, they'll probably sit back a little bit more than what they normally would and try and find him in the break. And it's going to be hard for us to get the balance right between um, the, the possession that we're probably likely to have um, and also... Um, you know, protecting against that threat, because you want to go for it, you want to go for the jugular, you want to make the most of that first 20-25 minutes when Anfield's going to be at its loudest. It's going to be loud all night, but the first 20-25 are are, are going to be the loudest, especially if you give us something to cheer about and we have a bit of of the play. So how do we get that balance right between protecting against their their threats of the likes of Vinicius and Benzema, but but also making sure we make the most of uh, our home advantage in this tie?
1: Midfield is it's so cliche but it's actually so so much vital to, to the outcome this result is where the game won and lost Um we're going to have to be really diligent in terms of if we are going to have the majority of the ball which I think Klopp said himself maybe in the press conference like Real Madrid are quite happy to to let you have the ball um, and then as you said they'll, they'll, they'll just try and hit you on the break so if you know at Anfield, the the passion, the noise, like the the, the sort of adrenaline, will no doubt encourage the likes of Robertson and Trent to, to progress forward. We are going to have to be really diligent, and whether that's Fabinho, whether the Henderson who plays in the six, whether I, I I can't see he's going to risk passage in the six, but you know, whoever plays in that defensive midfield role is going to have a huge responsibility to diligent enough in the in holding their position and allowing whichever fullback gets forward on either side to maybe slot in and maybe you know form some sort of back three or whether they're they're gonna shuttle across sort of thing and and help out where that fullback has advanced up the pitch. It, it's gonna be vital and yeah like we're gonna need you know all our experience in the back line to to try and keep Vinicius and it Benzema starts at bay, um, but I think you, you'd be right in saying that Cruz and Many out for them could potentially lead to a, a retreat in midfield. But you know, their midfield is still probably going to turn up with Modric, Camavinga, Valverde, you know, and I think Ceballos maybe was was mentioned as maybe starting as well. So you know, they're, they're not exactly mugged in the game. Um, if if we have got Nunes start and I think for us what we see in the derby is obviously Everton a poor team, but Trent's ability to, to get his foot on the ball and quickly open up the, the play and switch it wide left to Darwin Nunes. Um I think I read somewhere this morning that Ancelotti confirmed Danny Carvajal was gonna start at right back. Now, I'll be honest, I've not seen much of any Spanish footballer at all in the last few years because, you know, since it's gone off um Regular TV, I think it's still shown occasionally on ITV in England, but um, you don't really get the opportunity as you used to just catch so much La Liga football. Um, he just seems to me like a, a potential, you know, weakness if he's coming back from an injury. I don't know, but Darwin Nunes, big lad, pacey. If we can open up the play and, and stretch stretch them across the back line, that could be an avenue that we could look to explore. Um, but yeah, I think. You know, all we've got to do is do what we did in the Derby, as I said, that their level of performance and quality is is vastly superior to Everton. But that was the best atmosphere for me at Anfield since probably the the Barcelona game a few years ago. And you know, it it just proved that when when the crowd are, are all up for it, it works hand in hand with the players because everyone bounces off each other. When when the crowd are, are wild and vociferous and then players come out and get the tails up and the adrenaline and they create chances and opportunities it just then bounces off one another and it creates that cauldron and it it's something that you know can be savoured for special occasions you do get like you know the likes of Crystal Palace or you know Brighton turning up and saying oh where's your famous atmosphere well you know what well, half 12 on a Saturday afternoon can we really be asked like given news the atmosphere we We've got that nonchalance arrogance about us where we think we should just be beating you, and maybe that's been our downfall times but in games like the derby in games like Manchester City at home or you know European Cup games that have got a lot on the line we create an atmosphere like no other than we've got to use that to our own ability tomorrow and hopefully being that 12th man it's something that Real Madrid haven't faced as you have mentioned you know the Covid season nobody there the two finals you know as much as you've got probably 30 40% of the ground or more, it's never quite the same as as Anfield, and we've all seen the power of Anfield on the European Nice. And hopefully, tomorrow could be another one of them.
0: Yep, yeah, fingers crossed. Well, before we wrap up, um, team prediction well, I'll name something, and if, if you want to disagree with it, you can. I'd say same starting 11, and if Nunez is out, then Jota comes in for him on the left. Um, so, give me your team and score prediction.
1: Uh I would be very happy with the same eleven. Um I'd have no question uh, no questions of of Klopp if he did put the same eleven out. I have a sneaky feeling that he's maybe keeping Nabi Kater back for this one. Um just for sixty minutes, sixty five minutes of of just legs in midfield because we're gonna need them. And who comes out for him, I don't know. He took off Basetic and Henderson the other night. is that a, No, is that an inkling that those two are the, are the lads he was going to put in? And he may be thinking, I can take Fabinho out and put, you know, Henderson, Bassettich and Cater in. Um, or is he going to go for, you know, maybe Fabinho, Henderson and Cater and take, you know, the young lad out the final nine because it's, it's such a big occasion. But how would you take him out because he's done so well? Um, that would be my only... You know potential curveball um, and as you said if if Nunez isn't fit to start then yeah Jota should be for me the, the, the straight option that comes in because you know he's, he's he looks a little bit more ahead of, of where Firmino you know, was at the current time and you know we all know like Bobby can have his moments but if the ball is dropping to someone in and around the 12 yard mark around the goal I'd probably put more money on Diogo Jota slotting in the way than Bobby Firmino.
0: Yeah, be fair. Um, no curveballs for me and I think we're going to win 2-0. So unless there's any other business. I'll um, take a
1: 2 but I'll also take a 3-1. I've just three-one. got a, a funny feeling that, you know, you're not going to keep them out but a 2-goal advantage would be lovely.
0: Well, the good thing is it makes no difference these days so um, we'll be back for some reaction at some stage after that game. Um, but until then, Thank you very much, Jay, for joining me for this one. And up the Darwin Nunez stripping bollock naked in front of the cop reds.